Pennsylvania Show, Episode 1. In this episode, we'll be talking with Chris Mosier. He's the first trans athlete to make Team USA, and we'll be talking with him about how to pursue your dreams without compromising who you are. In today's Happy Couple segment, we'll answer a member's question on how they can eliminate defensiveness from their relationship. In your moment of inspiration, we'll be trying to inspire you to face the hard things in your life and to move forward with courage. This is a special show for us. Yeah, this is our inaugural opinion show episode. So some of you may have seen our videos on relationships through Happy Couples Academy. Or maybe you've seen one of our My Marathon Quest interviews that we've done with some runners in the community. We've gotten lots of positive feedback on these, and so we kind of got to thinking, you know, maybe we should do something a little bit more. That's right. So we decided to create a show, The Pena Show, and we'll be covering lots of different topics. We're going to be interviewing authors of self-development books. We're going to be interviewing people who have inspiring stories of overcoming obstacles. We're also going to be creating films to help inspire people, to inform people, and to entertain people as well. In today's interview, we're going to be talking with Chris Mosier. He's the first trans athlete to make Team USA, and he made it in two events, the triathlon and the duathlon. Some of you may know him from his Nike commercial, Unlimited Courage. Yeah. Should we show folks in case they haven't seen it yet? Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty good commercial. Let's show it to them. This is Chris Mosier. Morning, Chris. Morning. Chris is the first transgender athlete to make the men's national team. Hey, Chris, how'd you know you'd be fast enough to compete against men? I didn't. Or strong enough? I didn't. Yeah, but how'd you know the team would accept you? I didn't. Or that you'd even be allowed to compete? I didn't. That must have been tough. Didn't you ever just want to give up? Yeah, but I didn't. We're going to be picking up the interview now with Chris sharing a really exciting new accomplishment. And last month, I made the, um, the triathlon national team. Nice. So representing USA in yeah. Netherlands next yeah. year. Ooh, yeah. wonderful. wonderful. <laughs> so what was your journey like to, to become an elite athlete? I mean, I think so many people don't have a clue what's involved with it. And uh, there were so many barriers that you had to overcome. So what was that journey like for you? Yeah, so I started doing triathlons in 2009. So mm -hmm. I have not been doing this wow. you know, my entire life. I started off kind of as a runner before mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. and uh, worked my way up from a 5K. So, so very, you know, very beginning running. Um, and I'd always been an athlete in school, mm -hmm. three-sport three athlete in high school, played rec sports in college. But I took this big chunk of time off after college. And I think part of that was me figuring out who I was as a person mm -hmm. and also um, recovering from some health issues. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was, it was really building my way back up from one mile. I was in Chicago at the time and I saw a Chicago Marathon banner mm -hmm. and I said, I want to do that. And people looked at me like, you're nuts. Like, you can't even run a mile right now. The fastest way to get me to do something So really, I used that as my motivation to work my way up and progress. So, you know, it was the uh, 5K and then 
New York City has a lot of four mile races, so mm -hmm. four mile races, 10K races, half marathons, and then finally worked my way up over the course of it's probably three years of running to that first marathon. And then after that, I was like, well, what's the next step? How can I push myself even further? Mm -hmm. um, and for me, that was, all right, let me push myself way out of my comfort zone, buy a bike and teach myself how to swim and see if I can do a triathlon. And so I won my category in my first triathlon and I was like, yes, wow. I <laughs> Um, and you know from there it just kind of snowballed but you know corresponding to that was my sort of understanding my own identity as being a transgender man mm -hmm. and so at that time I started off competing in triathlons as a woman and I never really identified as a woman so I was really conflicted with both my running races mm -hmm. and the tries of saying you know so I won my category in that race which was awesome but I didn't want to share that with people because it was in the women's category. Mm. You know, I didn't win the race overall. So, you know, I, I was really kind of faced with this position where I had to figure out, okay, are you gonna be comfortable in the rest of your life and, and, you know, maybe give up sport? Or are you going to, you know, push off who mm. you know yourself, who you know that you are inside and try to continue this athletic career? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it ultimately came to, I had to make the decision of, of you know, transitioning was the right option for me, taking testosterone, which switched my competition category. Uh, but also, there are not a lot of policies at that time, this was mm -hmm. 2010, for transgender athletes out mm -hmm. there. And so I wasn't even sure if I'd be able to compete. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was this whole journey of trying to find out the policies and, and switch my categories with, with places like New York Roadrunners and, and local races and, mm -hmm. um, you know, making sure that I would, would be able to continue the sports that I love. And I, mm -hmm. I wasn't sure that I would be competitive after that. And so mm -hmm. I think, again, that would be the, the motivation for me right there of people saying that I would just be a middle-of-the-pack guy. Mm -hmm. Okay, you were a good female athlete, but mm -hmm. now you're just going to be a middle-of-the-pack guy. If we just pull you over, you have no chance of competing against men. Mm -hmm. and that, that was the wrong thing to say so again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every single day I think about this, and I will until the day I die. I use this as my motivation every single day. Mm -hmm. In 2011, there was a New York Times piece that came out, a feature of me, and it was my first big press thing, really great, you know, super mm -hmm. cool photo, the full back page of the sports section, I was so pumped. But the whole article was about me kind of being a middle-of-the-pack guy. Um, I had done New York City Try in 2009 as female, did it in 2011 as male, and you know, I, I get where the author was coming from, but it was mm -hmm. really like the words middle of the pack do not belong mm -hmm. in the same sentence as me. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that? <laughs> I actually had the, the good fortune of talking to that reporter many years later for uh -huh. another article that uh -huh. came out, and we had a whole conversation about he knows that he's my my um, drive every single day. Amazing, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so some good actually came out of his uh, oh, categorization of you. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. And I think with that, it's also the good of just being able to flip all of that upside down. You mm -hmm. know, every, every people's perceptions of who is a good athlete, mm -hmm. what makes a good athlete. Um, a lot of what we see in sport, like for me, it wasn't. I wasn't facing a lot of transphobia. There was some transphobia mm -hmm. that I was facing, and, and people making comments and, and barriers to my participation through policies. But a lot of it was just sexism, plain mm -hmm. and simple, of people thinking that someone who was designated female at birth, who who was assumed to be female at birth, could not be competitive mm -hmm. against men. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I also have a bit of that drive in me mm -hmm. to say. 
you know, while there were no trans men that I saw when I was transitioning who were competing against men, mm -hmm. you know, here I am now. Mm -hmm. You can see my Nike commercial. You know, I'm on Team USA. All the other, you know, little trans kids out there now have somebody to look to to say, yeah, this is possible. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and other people can see, all right, let me really think about what makes a good athlete mm -hmm. and, and how this works out. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the, the Nike commercial. It's a really incredible commercial. They ask all these questions. Chris, how did you know you were going to make the national team or something? I did it. I did it. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, it's very inspiring. It's a very inspiring video and an ad that Nike has about you. So what what is it that, what do you, I mean, you mentioned a little bit now some of the things you draw upon to to kind of confront these things because I, I think a lot of people would be intimidated by these types of challenges mm -hmm. or scared um, to kind of pursue things and so you you were kind of dealing with multi-layers multi of this. People saying oh, you, you'll only be a middle of a packer competitor but also just dealing with the whole being open about this and also trying to challenge the rules too. Mm -hmm. Like what, what, So you draw, it sounds like you draw somewhat on people saying, oh, you can't do it. Is, are there other things that you draw upon in terms of? Yeah, I think I draw upon my own discomfort. And I think mm -hmm. in, in a bigger way, what I think about is being the person that I wish that I had 10 or 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so while I did not start this journey thinking about other people, <laughs> and, and the process of transition for me, certainly, and for many people, is a very selfish trend of like top moment in time for them. Yeah. Like my you know, my partner dealt with a lot because there was so much internal and self-focus that I had mm -hmm. as I tried to figure out my own identity, mm -hmm. which then in turn made me a better partner, a better mm -hmm. you know, friend, a better mm -hmm. you know, employee, all all parts of my life. But mm -hmm. you know, for for that period of time, it was very much about me. Mm -hmm. And it had to be for me to kind of figure mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. how I could exist in this world. Um, I think that I, I draw my inspiration then from thinking, I just wish that I had somebody that I could have talked to during that process. Mm -hmm. You know, I was 29 years old when I made the decision to transition and I didn't see other people doing what I wanted to do. And I mm -hmm. think we all have this sort of deep down desire mm -hmm. to see ourselves reflected back in some sort of position of success mm -hmm. or the place that we want to be. Mm -hmm. You know, and so for me not to have that mirror, mm -hmm. to not have that community that I could have gone to, mm -hmm. you know, this is, it's a funny thing. I lived in New York City and mm -hmm. I didn't know trans mm -hmm. people in real life. Like I wasn't talking to them, I didn't have that in-person community. There was no mm -hmm. one that I could say, "Hey, I'm thinking about this." Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not just coming up to my random friends in in my tri club and saying, uh, "Do you have a minute to just talk about gender?" <laughs> <laughs> we weren't just talking about um, about things like that. So you know, there was that process, and I just knew that when I made the decision to come out publicly, mm -hmm. and I will say that was a long a long decision to make. It was. You know, I thought a lot about that. I had a lot of therapy sessions about, you know, thinking through it um, because that's a one-time decision. Mm -hmm. You only make that choice once with the internet now, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I will forever be the trans athlete. Mm -hmm. And there was certainly a period of time where I just wanted to be a regular guy. Mm -hmm. You know, can I just be out there and just mm -hmm. compete against men and be another dude and, and not have to have that label attached to me? Mm -hmm. But I realized the significance and the impact that that label can have mm -hmm. because we so severely lack that trans male visibility in sports mm -hmm. and in many cases sort of in society mm -hmm. that we have now some prominent trans women 
who have pushed forward the, the conversation so greatly, mm -hmm. but we were really lacking uh, a trans male voice and someone specifically in sport. Mm -hmm. And so I knew it was, it was new territory and that was what drove mm -hmm. me to, you know, I got my coaching certification so nice. that I can be a better athlete. Mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to coach other people. It was kind of selfish. I just wanted <laughs> to know how can I be better, mm -hmm. you know? And then I got a really great coach and you know, how can I, how can I make the national team? Mm -hmm. How can I push forward the next limit? And the last year has been phenomenal for me. I made the national team in 2015. 2016, I competed in the world championship, but also through the process of that, worked to get the International Olympic Committee policy changed, which impacts so many people. Mm -hmm. 70 plus organizations now have their policies in theory changed, not all of them changed on paper yet, mm -hmm. but I'm working on that. It enabled me to participate in the world championship, and then there was a lot of visibility with ESPN, the body issue. You know, if you pose naked in a magazine, you get a little bit of attention. <laughs> if you're a trans person, there's a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. And then the Nike ad. So, you know, this year has really been that shift for me of, you know, it's really cool to, I can walk around and people say hi to me on the streets. Like, that's a really weird thing. Now I'm in a position where people do come up to me at mm -hmm. races. Um, now I'm doing a lot of speaking. And so I speak, you know, can do personal speaking, but also in my role as vice president at You Can Play, I'm going to colleges and universities and talking about inclusion in sport. And so, you know, it's really just an opportunity to reach so many people and everyone has a story. Everyone has some sort of connection to the community. A lot of our listeners are just starting to run or, or thinking about this, uh, doing an, perhaps an endurance sport like marathons. What, what advice would you have for them as beginners in terms of of training advice or just, you know, general advice. So my favorite new phrase that I use with everybody that I work with, and, mm -hmm. and I really love working with beginning, beginning athletes and, and getting them attached and getting them a love of the sport. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the most rewarding things that I've done as a coach mm -hmm. is really work with, you know, I love sending people to championship races and, mm -hmm. and you know, getting podium place, placements, but I think really getting somebody to do their first event mm -hmm. and fall in love with it is, is the most rewarding thing for me. Mm -hmm. uh, my phrase that I use with everyone right now is progress is a process. Mm -hmm. And so really just embrace the journey mm -hmm. of what you're about to do. Training for a marathon is a time-consuming, really intense commitment, mm -hmm. and it's a journey, mm -hmm. you know? And it, it's, it is uh, something that you fully commit to and, and have to embrace along the way. And you're looking at, if you're doing it the right way, right? You're looking at at least 12 weeks and that's gonna alter your life in, in a lot of ways mm -hmm. in terms of social life and, and rest and how you're eating mm -hmm. and how you're thinking about your time commitments and planning your long runs, right? Mm -hmm. And things like that. So um, I think that embrace that process mm -hmm. and understand that we all were beginners at some point. Mm -hmm. You know, you know be, be patient with yourself and mm -hmm. just allow yourself to really enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. The secret. What's the secret, the Chris? You don't want to know the secret. There's, there's, there's my catchphrase, right? Yeah. Progress the process. <laughs> but the, the secret is consistency. Mm -hmm. And so while you might not feel like doing it every day, it's, it's really how we show up every day that makes the difference. And so mm -hmm. you hear this idea of weekend warriors, mm -hmm. you know, weekend warrior marathoners get hurt. You mm -hmm. do that for endurance sports, you get injured, it's not safe. Mm -hmm. So it's really about changing your lifestyle, mm -hmm. right? Incorporating this as a part of your lifestyle, You're, you just go for a run. Mm -hmm. And so while it's planned out and, and you have your training sessions and whatnot, like, mm -hmm. that's really the thing. I always say, 
you know, put your clothes on, get out there, give yourself 10 minutes. If you feel awful, you don't feel like doing it, you had a long day, you're tired, whatever, mm-hmm. I think running changes your perspective mm-hmm. totally. Definitely. Yeah. You know, so, so go out there, commit mm-hmm. to doing at least 10 minutes of that. Mm-hmm. If you feel like awful and horrible at the end of 10 minutes and, and you want to bail, cool. Do it. You showed up, you were consistent for that day. So. That gives me hope because <laughs> number one, you said that there was a point in time where you could barely do a mile. So, um, But for me, I find that actually getting outside is the, is the hardest part. Yeah, totally. So I'm going to use Chris's motto. That's great. Just, just put the stretch pants on and get out there. You have to have, you know, there are little tricks that you can do to make mm-hmm. yourself do that. And I think for me, I'm a person, I'm a morning workout person, but the preferred because if I don't get it out of the way mm. in the beginning of the day, my day is packed. Mm-hmm. A whole lot of other things can happen. If I if I skip lunch because I'm too busy, I'm not gonna have the energy to run after work or mm-hmm. at night. And I'm not gonna feel like going back out when it's dark, you know, when we're in the winter months, mm-hmm. it's dark at five o'clock or four o'clock. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna feel like being out there at mm-hmm. six when it's cold. Mm-hmm. But in the morning, six AM is a different story. Accomplish nothing else for the rest of the day, you got that run. <laughs> Start. I like that. And so yeah. I think, you know, setting out your gear the night uh-huh. before, mm-hmm. I always do that. The get up and put it on. I'll sign for it. Do what you have to do so that you get that workout in. Uh, besides running, what like what, what's your training look like? So I'm in the off season right now. I'm kind of doing a, a build for next year. I don't think my first race is actually until May. So mm-hmm. I have five good months of training, which I'm really excited about with the, with my coach, mm-hmm. uh, which we started in maybe February of last year. So this will be our first full off season mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm tired, but I'm excited <laughs> okay. um, because right now it's you know for my training it's swimming, biking, running, and strength training. And so uh, last week I did 14 hours of training, um, and this is, you know, for professional athletes, that's not a lot, right? That's their job, but wow. this is not my job. I right. also do wow. full-time advocacy work and, yes. and travel a lot, and so, you know, that was a, a big week for me, and it's mm-hmm. just going to build from there, so. Wow. That's why it's really incor- important to incorporate it into mm-hmm. your life in a way mm-hmm. that fits. You know, if I'm doing two or three workouts in a day, I really have to be strategic about, mm-hmm. you know, you have to get out of bed and do that one in the morning because otherwise you're going to be in rough shape in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have any exercises you do, um, not necessarily for training, but for mental health or just pure enjoyment? I mean, swimming is pretty fun, but I don't know if you do yoga or swimming is not fun. No, <laughs> I'm actually just starting to like swimming. Oh, That's interesting. My, like, okay. Favorite thing, but also, I mean, you have to think like. For swimming, swimming was the area that I struggled the most with as a triathlete and probably pushed me the most because navigating the pool as a trans person was mm. really tough. Right. And so starting the race, you know, starting to race and train as female when I didn't feel comfortable with my body, didn't feel comfortable showing up in a, in a women's swimsuit, didn't feel comfortable in the restrooms and locker rooms, so where could I change? I actually swam here at NYU and they have a tented area on the side of the pool deck, so I'd take a sneaky side door into the pool deck because otherwise you enter through locker rooms. Mm. And so I'd get changed there, stick my stuff on the bleachers, you know, it was a big ordeal mm-hmm. yeah. to go swimming. And so mm. I think that I still carry a little bit of that with mm. me even now. Um, but I'm, I'm starting to like it. I would love to go rock climbing, but I mm. haven't done that recently. Mm. Um, and, and my new thing that I have kind of in my in my mind for summer is to get a stand up paddleboard. 
They look awesome. They look awesome. Well, next time you're in town, if you can come to Brooklyn, we'll take you rock climbing. Yeah, that's our what was it called? Boulder. Okay, you know. Okay, you've been there? No. Not yet. Can you tell us a little bit more before we wrap up about You Can Play? So You Can Play is an amazing organization that the premise of it is if you can play, you can play. So it's such a simple message, but we believe that athletes should be judged based on their skill and ability and their competitive nature and their desire to participate and not based on their gender identity or their sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. And so you know, all athletes should have the opportunity to compete in a safe, inclusive, and respectful environment. Mm -hmm. So the work that we do is really going into sports leagues, teams, mm -hmm. organizations, and, and just spreading that message of respect. Mm -hmm. And so we talk a lot about casual homophobia and mm -hmm. the impact of the language that we use. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you just think about the words that people use in sport, mm -hmm. and it's not as prevalent in running and endurance mm -hmm. sports. And I will say that I've had a, a great experience in endurance sports mm -hmm. and really from the top down. Um, mm -hmm. Competitors have been fantastic with me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if guys I beat in races and find out that I'm trans have been very super cool about it and, mm -hmm. and you know, really respectful. Um, and the organizations, you know, USA Triathlon has also been really supportive of me, nice. and I'm grateful of that. Um, but in team sports, if we're talking about, yeah. you know, those sports that really value masculinity, mm -hmm. the language that is used in that just casually by coaches, fans, and players is so incredibly problematic. Mm -hmm. And if you think about what sort of impact language has on shaping spaces mm -hmm. and experiences, mm -hmm. they're really... It, it leads to the fact that we don't have a lot of out professional athletes in mm. men's sports. Yes. And a lot of that is tied together. And so we're trying to disrupt that to spread this message of mm. awareness and inclusion mm. that, you know, mm. if you can play, you can play. And, and we want to make sure that all people have access to sport. You know, I, I recently was talking to a friend of mine who used to play high school football. Yeah. And one of the things he said was his coach, he would say, um, you're running like a girl. You know, so that that sort of thing. It was like that was supposed to meant to make the guys yep. feel like I guess more motivated or like a reprimand, and, and it, so it's, I, I would imagine it, there's a lot of that sort of thing. Absolutely. Also, what's wrong with running like a girl? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this goes to the fact that we need to really evaluate mm -hmm. what we think of as a good athlete and mm -hmm. what are the qualities and skills that we value in athletes. And I, and mm -hmm. I know a lot of women who are faster than me and mm -hmm. faster than a lot of men. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I know women who can outbike me and outswim me, and, and you know, we all come with a different set of skills and background. Um, mm. So we really have to think about that. You know, if I tell you to think of the best athlete in the world right now, you know, if you don't tell me Serena Williams, mm. you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right? But what most people do is immediately go to their Rolodex of male athletes mm -hmm. and go, okay, is it LeBron? Is it this football player? Is it this other person? Right? Mm -hmm. And so it's not that th those are not female athletes, they're athletes. Mm -hmm. And we have to start to think about putting that all together. Mm -hmm. You know, the homophobia in sport is so incredibly tied to sexism. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to break up all of that. If people want to get in touch with you or uh, find out more information about you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so thank you for asking. Um, mm -hmm. So I run a website called transathlete.com and mm -hmm. it's a web resource for athletes, coaches, administrators, fans, whoever, mm -hmm. to find out transgender policies in athletics mm -hmm. and, and they're ranked by organization, mm -hmm. um, high schools and, and whatnot. So 
I do a lot of my side work there, mm-hmm. and um, there's a page about me on there that mm-hmm. folks can get contact information. So transathlete, just singular, mm-hmm. uh, .com is the best way. Mm-hmm. Um, or they can contact me through You Can Play mm-hmm. at chris at youcanplayproject.org. And I should say, I actually want people to contact me on Instagram. Ah! <laughs> you know, I do, I do follow you on Instagram. And, and the Chris Mosier, if you need uh, workout motivation. We're so thrilled that you could join us today. Mm-hmm. I feel like I got some good motivation mm-hmm. uh, for my own novice running program. <laughs> and certainly a lot to think of as far as, mm-hmm. you know, the intersections that you're confronting as far as gender, sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Um, sexism in the in the industry so um, I feel really happy about the advocacy that you're doing and it's very inspirational and Serena if you're listening but otherwise we really encourage yeah. our listeners and our viewers to check out your your Instagram mm-hmm. and to check out you can play yeah as well and, and trans what was the transathlete.com yeah. that's right yeah and the biggest thing is just show up i mean this is a journey we're all at different places mm-hmm. in, in our journey in both it's sports and in life mm-hmm. the biggest thing is showing up mm-hmm. right just get out there and, and mm-hmm. do what you want to do i love it what an inspiration thank you especially on a cold rainy day right? yeah. <laughs> i love the rainy days the, the most because i feel the most badass ah <laughs> You know, there's something really special about getting it done when you know other people are sleeping in. Yeah. Right. Juan made me go running once at like 5 a.m. and it was negative three degrees. <laughs> and I'm not normally the person to do that, but I, I felt like a freaking superhero. Yeah. So, so let's, I totally see what you're saying. Yeah. So, so thank you for being badass. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Chris, for being <laughs> We hope you enjoyed that interview um, with Chris Mosier. What, what would you say was your favorite part, babe? I think um, something that really resonated with me is his ability to just like stay on the program and he's mm-hmm. really dedicated and consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I'm not too good at, but it's really <laughs> paid off for him to, yeah. to be disciplined and he gets out there every single day, rain, yeah. snow, yeah. you name it. And, um, you know, it's, it's really helped him come this far and that's yeah. why he's so successful. So yeah, I mean, that really I, stuck with me. I think that's inspiring the fact that in such a short amount of time he was able to do so much yes, in, yeah. uh, as an athlete. I think what I really liked about what Chris had to say is really to pursue your dream without compromising who you are. I think so often we feel like in order to get something or to be a, make some sort of accomplishment in our life, we have to compromise who we are and to really have the courage not to do that, to, to be able to say, you know, I'm going to go for it yeah. and I'm going to go for it being the person that I am. Yeah, I thought that was amazing. So we hope you liked the, that interview too. Let us know what you thought of it. Yeah, definitely. Hit us up at thepenashow.com. Awesome. In this happy couple segment, we'll be showing you tools to really empower yourself in your relationship, take responsibility, and give defensiveness the boot. Here's a relationship with defensiveness. So, you know, I'm up there and I'm giving this presentation and I notice that there's this weird noise coming from this. Honey, are you paying attention to me? Huh? Honey, you're not even listening to me. It's like you're just texting all the time. 
He takes quite a bit too, you know? Yeah, well, okay, but I'm trying to tell you something right now. Maybe if you talked to me nicer, I would listen. You know, I, I can't with you. I don't like that attitude you're taking either. You're giving me an attitude. I'm only giving you an attitude because you're giving me an attitude. Oh, hey, honey. What hey. a day. Oh, my uh, goodness. It was a tough oh. day, huh? So glad to be home. Oh, I'm glad you're home, too. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, uh. Ooh. Ooh. You think you can pick up after yourself there? I just got home. Yeah, but, you know, that is, that's, not, that's not an excuse. Come on, man. Give me a minute. Here's a relationship without defensiveness. So, you know, I'm up there and I'm giving this presentation and I notice that there's this weird noise coming from this. Honey, are you paying attention to me? Huh? Honey, you're not even listening to me. It's like you're just texting all the time. Oh, I'm sorry, but you're right. I should be paying attention. All right, I appreciate it. Oh, hey, honey. What hey. a day. Oh, my uh, goodness. It's a tough oh. day, huh? So glad to be home. Oh, I'm glad you're oh home too. my goodness. Uh, uh, uh. Ooh, ooh. You think you can pick up after yourself there? I know, it's a little messy. I'm sorry, honey. I'm sorry if I snap at you a little bit. That's okay, I understand. I should clean up if your parents are coming over. Okay, I appreciate that. No problem. Hmm, which do you prefer? Here are three ways to give defensiveness the boot in your relationship. Tip number one, take responsibility, even if your part is a little bit. Even if it's just a little bit, take responsibility. Tip number two, think, hmm, what's the underlying request that's being made and focus on that. Tip number three, give your partner the benefit of the doubt. If there's a little edge to their voice, go back to tip number two, which is focusing on the underlying request. Did you like the video? Give it a thumbs up, share it with your friends. Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed that video. I know defensiveness is something that's very common in relationships yeah. and, and you know so I, I feel sometimes I'm guilty a little bit of it mm -hmm. you know like when you're giving me feedback and something I could feel those feelings of defensiveness want to come up and to really kind of argue or, or kind of um, defend my point of view sort of thing and you know it's, it's very understandable but I think keeping in mind that defensiveness can be unhelpful and especially in, your, in a relationship and I think has helped me to um, to do a better job mm -hmm. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I find that defensiveness is one of those things that kind of creeps up without you really even being conscious of it mm -hmm. so being aware and mindful of it and I think the power of taking responsibility, even if it's just a little bit, mm -hmm. can really um, be helpful. And like you said, it could soften us up and, and ultimately bring us closer. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately what we want is we don't want to be kind of angry and um, kind of have resentment towards each other. So kind of making a little bit extra effort to, to try not to be defensive and to maybe... You know, take the higher ground and taking responsibility. I think it really helped to really make things just flow better. Yeah, I, I know. I think that's that. It, it feels that way between. Oh us. yeah, definitely. It can make a world of difference. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to check out more relationship videos, or if you have a question of your own, you can visit us at www.thepenyashow.com.
So for your moment of inspiration, we'll be featuring one of our favorite poems by Maya Angelou. We find that we both turn to this when we're having particularly challenging times or we're facing kind of a, a dark period, and it really provides us with a lot of encouragement and inspiration to move ahead. So we hope that you enjoy it as much as we do. Yes. Everyone in the world has gone to bed one night or another with fear or pain or loss or disappointment. And yet each of us has awakened, arisen, somehow made our ablution, seen other human beings, and said, morning, how are you? Fine, thanks in you. It's amazing, wherever that abides in the human being, there is the nobleness of the human spirit. Despite it all, black and white, Asian, Spanish, Native American, pretty, plain, thin, fat, Vowed a celibate, we rise. You may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Just cause I walk as if I have oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like suns and like moons, with the certainty of time, just like hope springing high, still I rise. Did you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down my teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries? Does my sassiness upset you? <laughs> Don't take it so hard just because I laugh. <laughs> As if I have gold mines digging in my own backyard. You can shoot me with your words. You can cut me with your lies. You can kill me with your hatefulness. But just like life, I rise. Does my sexiness offend you? Oh. Does it come as a surprise that I dance? As if I have diamonds at the meeting of my thighs. Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past rooted in pain, I rise. A black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak miraculously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the hope and the dream of the slave. And so, naturally. There I go rising. Yeah.